I'm sure a lot of us can relate to the caller in that video where our uh, words or what we've said have gotten us into trouble before. And um, that's actually what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about a promise that God gives to make us new. And that promise to make us new doesn't just include a change on the inside, but it affects all of who we are. Uh, my name's Elliot, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here. And what we're doing in this series of messages leading up to Christmas is we're really kind of exploring that promise that God gives us. And the promise is to make us new. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians verse five, or chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And so what God knows is he knows that if we are going to change, that change starts on the inside. That change starts at the core of who we are, and it's something that's then going to affect everything that we, gonna, we do. It's going to work its way from the inside out. Often what we'll do is we like to focus on the outside. We like to focus on appearance, the external. Maybe we devote a lot of effort to changing something physical. But God knows that real change, lasting change, is something that starts on the inside. And that change begins when we make a decision to accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And then he comes in, and what he does is, just like he promises, he makes us new. And he makes us new from the inside out. And so what we're doing in this series is we're not just looking at that change he makes on the inside, but we're looking at all the implications of that. So in what ways will it impact our lives? So this morning, we're going to dive into this topic of the new mouth that comes with this change. My um, daughter, I have a, a little girl, she's almost two years old, and she's at a really fun age right now because she's at this age where it seems like on a daily basis, she's learning a new word. And she'll, yesterday we were at the park and somebody had a birthday set up and she just kept saying, happy birthday. And then I got home and I asked my wife, I was like, hey, has she ever been to a birthday party? Like, how would she even know to say happy birthday? And I don't know where she picked it up, but she picked it up and she knew that because there were balloons and presents, it was happy birthday. So she was just walking around, not part of the party, but she was just saying happy birthday, happy birthday. And it's so much fun to see this. One morning this week, I got up early with her and I was getting her breakfast ready and she kind of wakes up, she, she's similar to me, she wakes up and she's, she's pretty hungry. And um, she got up, and she wanted some food, so I gave her some applesauce, which is her favorite thing to eat. And when she says applesauce, she doesn't just say it normal. She whispers it, but she whispers it. It's almost like it's a secret. It's like the best-kept secret in the world. And she's like, applesauce. And it's just like, as a parent, just watching your little girl walk around the living room, eating this applesauce out of the, one of these little squeezy packets, and she eats some, and then she just gets this smile and goes, applesauce. I mean, as a parent, Seriously. It's one of the great joys, I think, of being a parent is seeing this happen. And, and I think in life in general, there's a lot of joy that comes with watching a child discover their voice. There's a lot of happiness and excitement that comes with that. But what's interesting about our voices and the words that we use, while at one time our words can be used to bring joy into life, there's other situations where the words that come out of our mouth, they can do a lot of damage. I mean, just when I think about my life, think about some of the stuff that, is, that has hurt me the deepest, a lot of it's the results of words that other people used, words that people directed or said to me. Some of the greatest pain that I've experienced has been as a result of that. And then on the flip side of that, some of the moments that I look back at and they bring the most excitement or I have the most fondness when I think about them, they again were attached to or the results of words that somebody said. Maybe it was something that was encouraging or uplifting or, or really built me up as a person. It's, it's attached to the words that somebody said. So that just brings up a question. Well, how is it that our words 
can at one moment bring a ton of joy to life and make life beautiful, but then in the very next moment, they can really do a lot of damage and they can cut people deep. How is it that our words can have that impact? Well, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but there's three realities about people that we need to understand if we're going to understand how our words can have this impact. The first reality about people is this. We're all under construction. Everybody's under construction. Everybody is a work in progress. Nobody's complete. As long as we're alive, we can grow, we can learn, we can change. Nobody is a finished product yet. That means that we are all able to be built up. We're all in a position where we're not finished, but we're a work in progress. That's just a reality about people. Another reality about people is this. We can't build ourselves. There's a lot of ideas going on around about kind of self-sufficiency, and all you need is yourself, but that's just not true. We can't build ourselves. There's a a book in the Bible, and the guy that wrote it, he spent a good portion of his life kind of searching for what's the, what's the meaning of life. And he tried all these different paths, and he had all these resources at his disposal so he could really experience life for all that it was. And in this book, he records his observations, and this is what he writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. He says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. See, if I could build myself up, if, if I was all that I needed, if I didn't need anybody else, but you know, I was completely self-sufficient and I could become all that I wanted to be just on my own, well, then it wouldn't say pity. See, we can't build ourselves. We, we need other people. We need to be connected to people that will help us build. A third reality about people is this. Words are the main tool for building. They're not the only tool. There's other tools that can be used to build, but words are the main tool, the primary tool used in the building process. Again, we're, we are all under construction. We can't build ourselves, but the main thing used to build is going to be words. I mean, if you think about on a construction site, if you think about you're framing a house or something like that, the hammer that you're using, that tool is incredibly valuable. That tool can be used to drive those nails into the wood to create a strong... Um, firm uh, structure so that that house can stand the test of time. But at the same time, if that hammer is used incorrectly, that hammer could also do a lot of damage, not only to the home, but it could also do damage to the individual. Same thing with our words. Because our words are the main tool used for building, in one moment, our words can be used for a ton of good, but then if those words are not used the way that they were intended to be used, then those words can do a ton of harm. And God isn't surprised by this. He's, he's not looking down surprised by all of this going on. He, he's fully aware that this is how life works. This is how he created people to be. And so what he says to us in his instruction to us is he says, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this change in you. And I know that there's this problem going on where words are being used to bring joy and to build people up. But then on the flip side of that, words are being used to destroy people. So I'm going to give you some instruction on as I, as I change you from the inside, as I transform you, here's some instruction on exactly how I want you to use your words. And this is what we find in Ephesians chapter 4. It says this. This is how God wants us to use our words. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So in this verse, there's really two different types of words that are listed. There's the unwholesome talk. These are words that destroy, words that tear people down. They deconstruct people. 
And then the second type of words is words that are helpful for building others up according to the needs. These are words that build people up. And as God remakes us, his purpose is we use our mouths to build other people up. That's his plan. And just like the verse says, he wants us to use words that are helpful. In other words, they're valuable. And the value of the words is they're building people, just like it says, according to the need. It's not random, but it's, it's words that understand what's going on and then speak specifically to that. I mean, imagine if you were getting some work done on the roof of your home, and I heard about it. So I just decided, okay, I'm going to show up. I've got my hammer. I've got my nails and some scrap wood from my backyard. And then I just start tacking wood to the side of your house. Are you going to appreciate that? No, nobody's going to appreciate that because it's not according to the need. What's the same thing with our words? When it talks about words that build, they're not just kind of random thrown around, but they understand this is what's going on in the person's life. And then these are specific words that I can offer according to the need. And then what's the big picture of all of this? Like it says that it may benefit other people. That's, that's kind of the end goal. When we, when we speak, it should be out of a desire to benefit the other person. That means that it should be from a place of love, a place that really puts them above ourselves and says, okay, what could I say so that in the end this is really going to benefit this other person? So I want to look at these types of words really quickly. I want to look at the words that build other people up because the goal when we speak is that we leave people in better shape than we found them before. The, the goal is when we, when we open our mouths, people's experience with us and the words that we say that they're better off because they encountered us and because they heard the words that came out of our mouth. That's, that's really the goal behind this. So these words that build, they're not random, but they're purposeful. They add strength. They're the types of words that when people look back on, they appreciate that we opened our mouth. So there's kind of two types of words that build that I want to focus on. The first is correction. These are words that build. The idea behind correction is making something straight. That's what it says in Proverbs 28, 23. It says, whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. Now, what's interesting is this word rebuke in the Hebrew, which is what Proverbs was written in, it has the idea of to appropriately correct. So it kind of attaches to that Ephesian verse. It has the idea of to appropriately give correction to somebody's life. It's words that are for the constructive benefit of another person. The motivation of these words when it says this rebuke, it's not, it's not to hurt them or to tear them down, but it's, it's out of love, offering wisdom to their life to actually help in some area, kind of help them move forward in a straight direction. That's the whole motivation behind these words that this is talking about in this passage. And like it says, it says that in the end, these words will gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. So again, the idea is, is that when a person receives this kind of input into their life, over time, they'll be able to look back and they'll see, wow, this really was from a place of love. I, I'm appreciative that this person offered this wisdom that they spoke into my life. Again, that's, that's the idea is we're, we're giving them something that over time as they move, they're going to look back and they're going to be grateful that we opened our mouth and we shared with them. I had a basketball coach in high school and he was really good at this. He, wasn't a, um, he didn't yell a lot. He wasn't a real rah-rah kind of guy. He was kind of soft-spoken. He talked to us just kind of man-to-man. He, didn't, he wasn't always screaming. And um, I was the kind of uh, basketball player and just sports in general growing up where I, I took it very seriously. If you've ever um, played a sport with me, 
you've realized that I can be hyper-competitive. Well, I've actually toned it down a lot. I've been in competitive recovery for a few years. But in high school, it was over the top. I took everything way too seriously. I spent hours and hours and hours in the gym trying to perfect my shot, trying to get better, trying to get smarter. Really, I think that's one of the reasons that I don't really like basketball anymore because I think I just burned myself out. But after a game, I was doing this in the game. We actually won, but I was still, I was still upset because I knew I didn't play up to my potential. So after the game, I go up to my coach and I asked him, I said, hey, was there anything that stood out to you that I could work on? And he knew what I was doing. He knew that I was just being too critical of myself and that I was tearing myself down. So all he said to me, I mean, he could have given me a list of things. I know he could have. But all he said to me was he said, Elliot, you need to have fun. This is a game. That's all he said to me. And it, it hit me right between the eyes. Because it was like, this isn't life or death. This is high school sports. And at the end of the game, at the end of the day, it is just a game. It's a sport. This, this is really just for recreation and entertainment. So to get all wrapped up in this is just a waste of time. I mean, he didn't sit me down in front of the whole team and berate me and say, hey, here's all of Elliot's problems. He, he wasn't critical of me. He just, you know, in a very kind of matter-of-fact kind of way, just said, hey, it's a game. You need to have fun. That helped me a ton. That's kind of the idea of the correction in this Proverbs verses is not that we're like giving people a list of, hey, here's everything that's wrong with you. But in the flow of life, we can kind of add some perspective that maybe sets them straight in some areas so that they can look back and appreciate it. That's the idea in this passage. Now, I think that when it comes to our regular occurrence with receiving correction or even experiencing what this passage talks about, I don't think it happens very often. And I think the reason that this doesn't happen very often is I think a lot of the correction that people share with others is not out of genuine concern for the other person. It's not for their constructive benefit. But I think a lot of it comes from selfish motives. I think a lot of it comes from kind of selfishness. Maybe the other person is annoying, and so because they're annoying me, I'm going to correct them, not really for their benefit, but just so they'll stop annoying me. Or maybe the other person isn't doing something the way that I think it should be done, so again, I'm going to offer input into their life just so they'll do it the way that I think it should be done. It's not really for their benefit. It's more about me. And this happened to my wife and I shortly after we got married. Shortly after we got married, I realized that we had a different approach to cutting apples. Now, that really doesn't matter at all. But I would watch my wife cut an apple in the kitchen. I was sitting there going, what in the world is she doing? Why is she cutting an apple like that? And I just couldn't let it go. I just couldn't sit there and be like, well, whatever, you know, no big deal. I had to open my mouth and be like, why are you cutting it like that? You know there's a better way to cut that apple, right? And then I would just, yeah, a couple people were like, whoa, dude, newlywed, okay? I would just step in and be like, here, honey, let me show you how to cut this apple. And after a few, I mean, I, I could say it, after a few fights over how to cut apples, I started asking myself, why in the world is this such a big deal to me? Why do I care so much about how she's cutting apples? And is it because maybe she's putting her life in jeopardy? No. Is it because she's doing something that's going to negatively affect her future? No. So why am I being so critical? Actually, I came to the conclusion that the only reason was is because there's something about me that was critical, and I'm kind of a know-it-all. So when I spoke into my wife's life and was like, hey, here, let me show you how to cut apples, she didn't receive that as, wow, he really loves me. She received that as, oh, I married a critical know-it-all. That's what she received. 
And so I think a lot of our corrections like that. Our correction is not from this place of here, I really want to benefit this other person. I'm thinking about what's best for them. But it's from a place of, you know, I'm selfish or I know more than them. I'm arrogant in some way. And so our correction, in a lot of ways, it rubs people the wrong way simply because it's not really for their benefit. It's, it's really for our benefit. It's for something from us. And so when God talks about the way that he wants us to use our mouth, he wants us to use our mouths, the words that come out. He wants them to be the type of words that when people look back on them, they appreciate us sharing those with them because that benefited them in some way. That's God's plan for our mouths. Another type of word that builds people up is affirmation. Actually, the English word for affirmation, it comes from a Latin word that means to make strong. And if you're in construction, you know that the um, life of the building depends on how strong the frame and the foundation is. If you don't have a strong structure, it doesn't matter how good it looks on the outside. If the frame, if the bones are not strong and the foundation isn't strong, it can look amazing. But over time, it's just not going to last. It's really similar with people. And a lot of the words that we kind of speak, a lot of the words that we kind of think are affirmation, we're really just kind of blowing smoke. It's there are temporary words that might puff somebody up in the moment. They might feel good, but we're not really adding strength to who another person is. I don't know if you've heard about this uh, building in San Francisco. It's called the Millennium Tower. It's a 58-story condominium skyscraper. It was completed in 2009. Cost 350 million dollars to build. In May of this year, the owners of the building announced to the tenants that the building is sinking and starting to lean. It was built in 2009. Since then, it's sunk into the ground 16 inches, and it's leaning 6 inches. Now, this is what's fascinating to me. Here's a few of the awards that this building has won. (laughs) Concrete Industry Board gave it the Award of Merit in 2008. American Society of Civil Engineers gave it two awards, Structural Engineering Project of the Year and Outstanding Structural Engineering Project. Metal, Metal Architecture Magazine in April 2009 gave it the top honor. California Construction gave it two awards, Outstanding Project Management and the Multifamily Residential Award of Merit. And this one's interesting. The San Francisco Business Times gave it the Deal of the Year Award. <laughs> Little did they know. Now, if you think about it, none of those awards, at the time, they were nice, they're flashy, people can put them on display, but they don't change the reality of that building. They don't change the reality that that building, I mean, they're not even sure how fast it's sinking. Some people say it's sinking only an inch a year. Some people say up to three inches. They don't even really know how much. Those awards don't change the strength of that structure. It's really similar to us. I mean, a lot of the words that are kind of thrown our way, they're just, they just are kind of meaningless in the end. They don't add strength to the individual. But, but what we need to be is God wants us to be the kind of person that when we open our mouth, it actually benefits somebody in the way that it makes them stronger for the long run. It's not just kind of this meaningless flattery that maybe sounds good and makes them feel good temporarily, but it's, it's words that actually add to the structure so that they can stand the test of time. That's how God wants us to use our words. Just like with this tower, all those awards don't change any of the facts about that building. Well, God wants us to use our mouths in a way that when we speak, we're offering words that, again, they're adding strength to the life of another person. So those are some of the words that build, words of correction and then words of affirmation. What about words that destroy? 
Let's look at that now. Words that destroy. Just like it says in Ephesians, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So the word unwholesome here has the idea of to be rotten. So it's kind of like you're causing something to rot. So you're taking a structure that was, that was good, and then you're rotting the boards in that building. And it's only a matter of time. I mean, if, if your house is built with rotten wood, the house could look amazing. But it's only a matter of time before that house is going to fall or have some major issues because the wood is rotten. Well, we can have a similar effect with our words. We can actually cause a rottenness to occur in the life of another person through the words that we share. Here are some of the words that destroy. I want to share some of these with you. According to the Bible, some of these words are words of gossip. In Proverbs 16, 28, it says this. It says, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Now, gossip is taking something that was private information about somebody else and sharing it or making it public. That's what gossip is. A good, a good test, I heard somebody say this, and it's been a good test for me. If you want to know if you're gossiping or not, you should ask yourself the question, if the person I'm talking about walked up right now, would I stop talking? That's just been a good test for me to make sure that I don't fall into gossip. Because just like it says, it says gossip separates close friends. Gossip is one of those types of words that will destroy. Another one is perverse words. It says this in Proverbs 4.24. It says, keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Now, perverse words, they come in many different forms. It could be a perverted joke. could be bathroom humor. could be a graphic story. Sometimes to get a laugh, people will kind of use the shock jock approach. They'll try to shock people. Those would all fall into the category of perverse words. And really what it does is it gets verbal sewage on other people, and it contaminates. Another type of word that destroys is angry words says this in Proverbs 29, 22. It says, An angry person stirs up conflict. A hot-tempered person commits many sins. The idea here is that words of anger, and I'm sure you've experienced this, when, when there's anger behind your words, people really don't respond to what you say. They just instantly put their walls up. They instantly go defensive. If, if I approach somebody from an angry posture, and through my words, they can sense that I'm angry. They're not going to listen to me. They're just going to put up the walls and prepare for a battle. That's what angry, angry words do. They, they destroy. They, they cause fights. Another one is harsh words. It says this in Proverbs 15.1. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Harsh words specifically are words that are intended to inflict pain. It's kind of like throwing a verbal punch. We, we want to hurt the other person in some way. We know they've done something or something's happened and we want to inflict pain, and so we'll throw out a harsh word to do that. Another type of word that destroys is lying. It says this in Proverbs 26, 28. It says, a lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Now, it's not tough to see how lying would destroy. I mean, imagine that you're, you're trying to build something, but the plans you're using to build that are intentionally deceptive. There's no way you're going to accomplish your goal. Lying is one of those things that will destroy. Actually, in this passage, it equates it to hating the other person. And that's a pretty strong idea if you think about it. Another type of words that destroy are negative speech. It says this in Proverbs 26, 13. It says, a sluggard says... There is a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. Now, the person in this passage that this passage is talking about, really all they're doing is they're giving reasons why something can't be done. 
They don't want to do something maybe or they see all these obstacles and so they're giving all these reasons, all these excuses. I don't know if you've ever had a friend like this or worked on a team with somebody like this, but if you have somebody maybe in a team environment and all they do is share a bunch of reasons why something can't be done, it just sucks the life out of the team. It'll quickly kill a group. And so that's the idea is that somebody who takes this approach, they're just kind of spreading destruction. Actually, what the Bible says, a lot of these times when people use these negative words, they'll, they'll kind of be like, well, I'm just being a realist. I'm just being honest about the challenges that we face. But the Bible says that a lot of times when we do this, it's actually out of fear or it's out of laziness. Because the Bible wants us to use words that are kind of like, we can accomplish this. We're, we're aware of the obstacles. We're honest about what we're facing. But we realize that with God, we can accomplish these things. So we're not going to take this negative approach. But when we take these negative words and use them and share them, really what we're doing is we're just tearing people down. See, what happens when we use these different types of words, it's kind of like we're playing verbal Jenga. So I don't know if you've ever played Jenga before. I'm going to try to set this up on the... This is one of my favorite games growing up, so I kind of am excited to play Jenga in front of you guys. But what we do is uh, we'll play verbal Jenga, and uh, if you've ever played Jenga, you probably kind of know some about it. So you've got this tower of blocks, and you take turns, and you go around the room, and each person pulls, pulls one of the blocks out, and you kind of keep going back and forth until finally the tower falls. And it's a lot of fun to play with um, friends, but if it's maybe in a relationship or has to do with another person, it's really not that much fun. Because what verbal Jenga is, is maybe we gossip about another person, and really what we do is we remove a block. And then maybe we say something out of anger. This might fall over faster than I thought. And we remove another block. That was close. And then maybe there's some gossip. Let's try one here. And so we gossip about the person. And then maybe we lie. And really what we're doing is we're, we just keep removing blocks with these words that destroy. And maybe we say something out of anger. We say something that's harsh. And just back and forth, we keep removing pieces until it falls. And then a lot of times, actually, what we'll do is we'll, you know, we'll have removed this piece. We might even admit that we've removed this piece. But then we're surprised when the person reacts to it. And we're like, whoa, 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 you're, you're overreacting. It, was, you know, I, it, was, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, I really didn't mean to hurt you. But we don't realize that we've been spending all this time removing block after block after block. And a lot of times I think this will happen, especially in relationships, whether it's a marriage or a family. Sometimes it'll work like this. One person will say something out of anger, and then the other person will respond to that. But then the other person kind of feels this need, well, I've got to respond to that. And so then it just creates this cycle of response. And it's just two people sitting there pulling block after block after block until finally something breaks. A lot of times, this is what we're doing with our words. These are the words that God specifically says, I don't want you to use that type of word because this is the impact that that type of word can have. There's a parable that Jesus tells and when he tells the parable, he makes the point that when we have a problem with our words, it's not just a mouth problem, but it's actually, it goes all the way 
down to our heart. It's a heart problem. This is what he says in Luke chapter 6. It says this. It says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's an interesting idea. It's kind of an idea that's a little difficult to come to terms with. I mean, the idea is if the mouth speaks from what the heart is full of, then it's almost like my tongue is like a soup ladle that scoops down into my heart. And whatever my heart is full of, it comes up and it then comes out of my mouth. That's the idea in this passage. I mean, for me, that's, that's a little difficult to come to terms with. I mean, I like to, you know, if I, if I maybe say something mean, I like to blame it on something else. But this is saying that, no, those, those mean, angry, hurtful words, those actually came from something inside of me that's not right. I mean, I don't know if you've ever done this, but maybe you've said something you know you shouldn't have said, and so then you turned and you said, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I mean, I'll just be honest, I, I said it this week. I said something and I said, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Well, this verse is actually saying, we shouldn't say that, but what we should say is, I'm sorry, will you forgive me for saying what I meant to say? That's the idea. It's saying that that idea that came out of our mouth, that idea was already in there. That angry response, that harsh word that was intended to hurt the other person, that's already in there. So we're not producing something just by accident. We're producing something that's already inside of our heart. And so just to make this clear, I mean, if, I, you know, if, I, if I'm honest with myself, I've, I've said a lot of stuff in my life that's damaging. I've said a lot of stuff that's destructive and hurts other people. And I can't just turn and say, oh, well, you know, it was just the circumstances, bad circumstances, or, well, the other person, I was just, you know, it was the only way I could respond to what they were doing. It was the only thing that I could, I, I can't blame it on something outside of myself. I have to realize that this goes down to my heart. Something's going on inside of my heart. And just to make this clear, Jesus, in this parable, he uses this illustration of the tree. And he says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. I mean, we know this. We know that if you want to get an apple, you have to go to an apple tree. You're not going to find an apple on an orange tree. And if you want it to be a good, edible apple, it needs to be from a healthy apple tree. If the apple tree is unhealthy and sick and has some different kind of disease, well, it's not going to produce good, edible apples. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, a heart that's sick and is full of junk it's going to produce words that reflect that. But a heart that, is, that it's healthy and God's doing work in and is moving towards him, well, it's going to produce words that build. Jesus is making this point completely clear. So the reality is this. The reality is that our mouths will constantly be revealing what is going on inside of our hearts. When I produce words that destroy, it's, it's not just a result of the environment. It's not, it's not the result of the circumstance. It's not the other person's fault. The reality is those words that are coming out of my mouth are revealing something about me, something that's going on inside of me. So if we want to be the kind of people that actually have this 
new mouth that God promises, that experience this change, then what that's saying about us is we can't just stop at the surface level, but we've actually got to go and we've got to do work inside of our heart. We've got to then go and participate with God and start to clean out the junk that our heart is full of. So there are two practices of somebody who has a healthy heart. So these are the two practices. If we're, if we're going to have this new mouth, we've got to clean our heart. And so these are the two practices that will help us clean out what's inside of our heart. The first practice is confession. Confession is acknowledging what happened. Call it what it is. I said something that was harsh. I said something that hurt you, and that came from inside of me. Call it what it is. Don't, don't blame it on the other person. Don't say, well, I only did this because. Realize in confession what you're doing. You're, not, you're acknowledging that, that, that the problem is something inside of me. You're not blame shifting. You're not pointing the finger. You're saying, this is what I said. This is the impact it had. If we don't do that, we're not going to experience change. I mean, it's similar to if you have a physical sickness and you just try to ignore it and act like nothing's going on, it's just going to get worse. Was the same thing with something going on inside of our heart. If our hearts are actually going to change, it starts with us acknowledging what's really going on, acknowledging this is the problem. If we don't get to the root of the problem, we're not going to experience change. So that's what it starts with. It starts with confession. And then the other practice is forgiveness. Forgiveness is asking them to cancel the debt. It's kind of like if you took these Jenga pieces, you take one and you say, okay, here, I'm going to confess this. This is, I said this out of anger. These were some angry words, words that could destroy you. And so then you ask, will you forgive me for these words that I spoke that were directed at you? And you ask for forgiveness. And really what you're doing when you do that, when you, can, when you call it what it is, and you ask the other person to forgive you, really what you're doing is you're taking that piece from where you removed it from, and you're putting back that piece where it was. Because if you, if you just kind of ignore all the damage that's been done to the structure and try to start building on the top, well, the structure is still weak. But if you take the time to actually say, hey, this is what I did, this was wrong, will you forgive me? Then it's like you're putting that piece back in, that structure. So then the structure can have a chance to build. So the two practices of a healthy heart and somebody whose mouth is going to be used in the way that God wants, it starts with admitting this is what I did and then asking them to cancel it. And then once we've done that, now we're in a position where, okay, now I can start to use my words to build the other person because I've taken the time to clean up the mess that I made in the past. If we're going to have the mouth that God wants us to have, it's going to require us to do the work and to realize that this is not just an external problem. My communication issues are not something outside of me, but my communication issues are something that's inside of me. And if I want to change, I've got to start with realizing this is what the problem is. I've got to go to other people, clean up the mess that I've made, and then with the help of God, I've got to start to look for ways to start to build people up. That's the kind of mouth that God wants us to have. If you'll join me, we'll pray. Father God, I thank you for the fact that you don't leave us here on our own to figure this out, but you, you initiate the change, and then all through the process, you help us change. Instead of just leaving us here in the mess and the destruction that we cause, you actually, you give us a hope to experiencing something 
completely different and to spreading that to the lives of other people. Instead of them experiencing what they've experienced now through the change that started in us, we can start to impact them. We can start to build people up. I thank you for the fact that we get to be a part of that. Father, I pray that when words come out of our mouth that are not pleasing to you, that don't build up the other person, God, I pray that you would shine a light on that and help us go and do work at a heart level to experience the change where we can go and through you start to clean out the junk that's inside of our heart so that when we speak, we don't destroy and we don't spread rottenness, but when we speak, other people benefit. They look back with appreciation that we, we loved them enough to open our mouth and to build them up. I pray that that's what the result would be. In Jesus' name, amen.